This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt and Company's new book, Your World Class Assistant. Find out more at lead2.win slash assistant. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And in this episode, we're talking about something that too many leaders don't pay attention to, how to stay mentally fit. Yeah, I think this is really important because if you are in a rapidly scaling business or, you know, if you're growing at any good kind of clip, fatigue, mental fatigue is a real challenge that you're going to face. For example, we grew 62% last year. That's a lot. That's crazy. When I think that about that, I go, wow, no wonder we were tired. Yeah. And we, we were named in the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing businesses for the third year in a row. Um, but the truth is that growth brings a whole new set of challenges. You know, you have to figure out hiring. You have to figure out financial management at a higher level. You have to figure out how to preserve your culture as you're growing it, how to continue to innovate and be relevant in the market with more complexity. I mean, there's just so many things that you have to think about that can be really overwhelming. And all that problem solving can just be exhausting. You can end up in reaction mode before you even know it. Well, years ago, when I first became the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers, I I consulted with John Maxwell, who is one of our authors and is a leadership expert, renowned author. And he was kind of my sort of de facto coach. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things he told me is he said, one of the things that's different about this job and one of the things you got to get used to is he said, you've got to set aside time for thinking <laughs> because how you think about the business and how you solve the problems that you're facing are going to be crucial to your success uh, in this role as a CEO. And if you don't spend adequate time thinking about it, you're going to be overrun by these problems that, that you can't solve. And you don't want to be so totally dependent upon outside consultants that they're running your business. So you've got to set aside time for thinking. So for years, I tried to do that. You know, I would block out time on my schedule because I know like Daniel Harkavy and I say that, you know, what gets scheduled gets done. Mm-hmm. But I would just find myself blowing that time off. And so I'm going to talk about in this episode how I've, I feel like I finally conquered that and how I've allocated a regular time that makes it work. But uh, we're going to talk about an acronym that uh, I came up with. But I think before we do that, we want to recognize and introduce Larry into the episode because Larry Wilson's here like always. Larry. Hey, hey Larry. And uh, we're going to count on you to lead us through this. But this is really an important topic that demands some of our best conversation, and our best thinking. Well, the idea is that growth is fueled by innovation and innovation requires focused thought. So you have to train yourself to slow down if you want to speed up or keep up. And that's where we're headed today. And you've got an acronym, which we're going to introduce right now, that'll guide the whole episode. Yeah, so the acronym is FIT, but it's spelled a little differently than you think. It's F-F-I-T, and it stands for Frequent Focused Intentional Thinking. Let's dive right in with that. Let's talk about the frequent part. You mean... Just schedule time every Friday to think, or what what do you mean by frequent? Yeah, kind of. The faster you're growing, the more time you've got to dedicate to thinking. And I think this is a hard transition for a lot of leaders because they're used to doing. They measure their productivity and they measure their contribution by how much time they're spending doing. But as you move up the organization, the more of your time has to be allocated to thinking. That's what you're being hired to do, is to be able to innovate, to be able to solve problems, 
to be able to analyze and assess. And all those are thinking skills. And certainly you could do that in real time and in a reactive way as it comes to you. But I think you've got to really set aside time for, for what Cal Newport calls that deep work. Because the problems that most of us are solving at a higher level, you know, those are things you just can't, you know, solve in a 20-minute conversation with somebody. Those are things that require deep thinking, deep reflection. And sometimes it's a multi-day or multi-week project. This is hard, though, I think, for um, leaders and entrepreneurs because the day-to-day firefighting, you know, that you're doing in a high-growth business is a very different kind of thinking. It's very fast-paced. It's kind of an adrenaline rush. And there's something about kind of going into this space, I hope you're going to talk about this, where you have to kind of learn how to stay there. Yeah. It's difficult. You know, I mean, it really is a, a challenge of focus to stay with the thinking because uh, when you're in that place of exhaustion and mental exhaustion, you know, you're not really able to innovate. And this is this is tough work. I almost think of it like uh, deep sea diving. Yeah. You know, like you can snorkel. You could even dive with scuba gear. But the, the treasure is sometime on the bottom of the ocean floor where mm-hmm. you got to put on that heavy gear. And what that means is that when you get down there, you got to stay down there for a while. You just can't be yanked back up to the surface and expect to get anything done. So once you get down there, you want to stay down there. And, and the way that I found to do this is to do it frequently. And really what I mean by that is making it a habit and if possible, baking it into your routine. So I've incorporated this into my morning routine. It's now a regular thing where I do this for about an hour every morning. And I'm going to explain as we go through this, my specific process for doing this and why it's really valuable. So this is really timely for me personally, is where I'm kind of, you know, standing in for the audience. But but really, because I just came back from parental leave and did, um, you know, some some thinking while I was gone about what was going to be necessary in this next season of my leadership. And this is one of the things that honestly is lacking. I need more yeah. time to think regularly for the benefit of the business. You do. And it's got to become a habit. That's and right. I think that's where we can, can really help you and the people listening to right. this to bake this into their their routine so that it gets done. This will really give you an edge. You know, if you can learn to be curious, if you can learn to think and dedicate time to thinking, this will give your business an edge because too many leaders are reacting. They're not proacting. They're not spending the time thinking about their business. You may know the name Eric Schmidt. He Mm -hmm. was Google CEO for a number of years, about 10 or 11 years back in the early 2000s. And he said this, we run this company on questions not answers. Mm. What's your reaction to that? I think that's right. You know, I think that early in my career, I thought being a leader was all about having the answers. And the older I've gotten, the more I realize that it's really about having the right questions. And particularly if I can ask myself the right questions. And by that, I mean open-ended questions to be just curious, to say, I wonder why we got that result. Or I wonder why that thing seems broken. You know, yesterday we had an issue with a person who was frustrated because they didn't get their full focus planner. And so they complained to our customer experience team. And so they sent them out, they thought, another planner. Well, then he complained again and they didn't get the second one. And so I'm thinking to myself, how is it, and this is the kind of real life problems that we have to solve by thinking, how is it that we had that breakdown twice in a row? And I ended up having my assistant go to the FedEx and just overnight anyone so that he's, he's getting it today. But I'm thinking to myself, what, is, what kind of system problem? Because we have very conscientious people. Everybody's working hard. Everybody's trying to do their best. But what's the system problem that needs to be addressed? And so I just spent several minutes thinking about that problem. How can we attack this at a system level? But that comes from curiosity. 
And that comes from realizing that we need to innovate. That's a real problem our, our customers face and it has to be solved. I think also going into that without assuming you know the answer, you know, really suspending disbelief um, because we can often bias our own question asking um, with limiting beliefs or, or other opinions that we have without even knowing it. And it keeps us from getting the great answers that come from really good questions. Yeah, it does. I was thinking of another issue today. I was thinking, why do we keep feeling the need to discount this one program that we sell? Hmm. And you, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And I, and I kept thinking, you know, is that one of those areas where we just make an assumption that, that we can't sell it without discounting it? Uh-huh. Or is there some issue? How could we add more value so that we have less need to discount? Right. So that's, that's all a great the, question. Those are all the thinking things that we have to do, but we have to make it a frequent practice. It has, has to be a habit. Do you ever find yourself getting curious or investigating things that actually don't bear on a problem? Yeah, I think so. For example, you know, our full focus planner line has been tremendously successful. We're coming out with new um, additions just in another week uh, at the time of this recording. We're really excited about that. But we're beginning to ask, you know, what else do our customers need in the space of physical products to win at work and succeed at life? You know, what would be complementary to the planner um, that would be beneficial for our customers and clients? And I think that's that's not really solving a problem. I mean, it is addressing a need, but I don't know the answer to that yet, but I'm excited to just ask it and see what comes. Well, it's a thinking exercise. And, right. and yesterday you and I were talking about this very thing. Yep. And I, and I sort of posed this idea. I said, well, what if we owned a retail store that was called the Full Focus Store and what would we put in that store besides our planner? Right. And that we kinda, came up with some neat ideas. We did. Yeah. yeah. Hey, everybody. Mike Boyer here. Did you know that Michael and Megan love reading your reactions to Lead to Win on iTunes? If you haven't left a review yet, would you do that right now? That also keeps the show visible to others. If you need help with that, click on the tutorial in the show notes at lead2.win. Thank you. And if you're not following Michael and Megan on Instagram, you're missing some good added content. You'll love their posts and stories, and they do post themselves and read your comments. Find them at Michael Hyatt and at Megan Hyatt Miller, or check the links from the show notes at lead2.win. Thanks for listening today. Now, back to the show. So the first element of this thought pattern is that it has to be frequent, and it's all about developing the habit of being curious, asking questions, and doing that on a frequent, almost constant basis. And that brings us to element number two, which is focused. Yeah, this is key. Focus is an important thing for us at Michael Hyde and Company. We've got the Focused Leader Conference that we do. We've got the Full Focus Planner. You know, focus is really at the at the heart of what we're about. But Cal Newport writes that solving complex problems is deep work. And it is deep work. And it requires a level of focus that shallow thinking will never will never give you the results you want. It requires single-minded focus where you're not distracted. And that's why I've dedicated this time as part of my morning ritual to this kind of thinking because I'm less likely to be interrupted. And so I think wherever, whoever's listening to this and, and if they're trying to set aside time for this, they need to do it in a, in a time when there's, uh, first of all, an extended period of time. You know, this is not a 10-minute thing. You know, I'm just going to think for 10 minutes and solve all the problems. But it's got to be an extended period of time. It's also got to be a focus time where you're less likely to be interrupted. Okay. I have a question for you about okay. that. So um, one of the ways that I feel like I come up with really good ideas and have a lot of breakthroughs is in conversation with my husband, Joel. Joel is our chief content officer. 
his all of his top five strengths, if you use a strength finder test, are in um, thinking, ideation, those yes. kinds of things similar to you. And out of those conversations come some really important thoughts and uh, innovations that we need as a business. That's not solitary, however. Right. And are you, in, in this fit concept, are you only talking about solitary time? Because um, sometimes you and I do the same thing and we have great ideas like yesterday, for example. Um, or does this really have to be done alone? Well, first of all, I admitted to you before we started recording this that I really wasn't thinking of the context of doing this with a group, but I think that's a valid context. But I don't think it's either or. I think it's both and. Okay. And I think that that... If I'm going to have something to bring to the team, you know, I've got to be able, and I, I talk about this sometimes in terms of writing blog posts or podcasting, that that part of my job is to go forage for the team hmm. or to forage for the tribe. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to have something that I bring to the table, that I've got original thinking, that that it's not just in the context of the group, but I've got something to bring to the table. So it's it's kind of like a potluck supper, mm-hmm. you know, I don't just want to show up being the guy that's eating everybody else's stuff. But I want to bring something to the party too. But so often, I think when we are with the right people, we have kind of those catalytic totally. moments, you know, where all of a sudden a, a thought or an inspiration comes that we really wouldn't have had except we're pinging off of something they said. And there's just a certain kind of synergy that happens there. Absolutely. And again, I just think it's not either or. It's yeah. it's it's both and. Okay. And, and to that point, I would say that when I go into my focus time, I'm kind of priming the pump before I get there. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the reasons why, for example – that I seek outside input. So this is one of the reasons why I'm reading voraciously, why I listen to a lot of podcasts. And in fact, in my morning ritual, before I get to this thinking time, I go to the gym or I go outside for a walk. So I'm doing my exercise thing before I do the thinking thing. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One of it's real practical is that when I can get my blood circulation going and oxygenate my brain, you know, I'm going to be more awake, more alert, and just able to think better. I can just think better when I'm doing that. But in addition to that, it's oftentimes in listening to somebody else's content that it stimulates, kind of like what you were talking about, stimulates my own thinking. And I go, oh, I mean, it could be completely out of left field. Right. I have nothing to do with our business. I could be listening to a history book or a biography or whatever. And I think, oh, well, that applies to this thing. You're making connections. You're making connections. And some people call that lateral thinking, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it's 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 really important as a leader to get that outside input so that you're not just left with your own resources, but you're able to tap into what other people are doing. This is really true because um, very often the best thinking I have happens on a walk. You know, yeah. I'll start, I'll be out, I'll, I'll be on a walk, I'll listen to a podcast. And I mean, I get 10 minutes in and I have to turn it off because my brain totally. is exploding. And very often I'll call you or you'll call yeah. me and you'll say, I got to tell you about this thing, you know, and we'll, and we'll have a whole conversation about it. And it's, you know, before 8 a.m. and our brains are just on fire. That's right. Well, I have a question on the focused part of this equation, frequent, focused, intentional thinking. So frequent and focused for some of us and the temperament that does like to investigate things, the high fact finders, we could spend all day on this. In fact, somebody asked me, what's your favorite method of procrastination? Research? It's actually, yeah, looking up stuff on Wikipedia. So you you look for one fact and it's all linked. So, oh, that's interesting. I wonder, let's check the context. you click to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Before long, I've spent 30 minutes just reading about nothing or nothing that bears on my work. But I don't do that very often. (laughs) (laughs) Let the record show. To be clear. (laughs) How do you balance the need to get outside input, to indulge your curiosity, to ask questions with the need to actually get stuff done? Well, I think that comes to element number three. Well, let's go there now. Okay. 
Element number three is intentional, frequent, focused, intentional thinking. Yeah. So here's the thing. Some thinking happens unintentionally. You know, I may have a breakthrough in the shower, at the gym, you know, in a conversation with Megan, whatever. I mean, we're always thinking about something, right? But critical thought has to be intentional. So you can't arrive at a huge breakthrough. You don't usually arrive at a huge breakthrough by accident. It has to be intentional or the way that I like to think of it, it has to be caused. And frankly, I achieve this by writing. This gives me a focus to my thinking and it also helps me disentangle my thoughts. So writing forces a level of clarity about your thinking that that sometimes won't happen unless you write it down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can, you can have a thought and it's kind of muddled and it's not really going anywhere. But when I subject myself to the discipline of, of writing, then all of a sudden those vague ideas, those aspirations, the analysis, all that has to get real as I write. So my process about critical thinking, it happens when I go to the gym, when I'm beginning to exercise and all that. But where the rubber really meets the road is when I come home and I'm going to spend 45 minutes to an hour. And my rule is I'm going to write 500 words a day. So like this morning, I wrote 586. Just happened to remember it because I logged it. But I wrote 586 words. Day before, I wrote like over 700 words. Sometimes it's not quite 500. But it's just a good measure for me to do that. And if you think about it, if you write 500 words every day, it's 2,500 a week, 10,000 a month. You could write a 50,000 word business book or the equivalent of one over a five-month period. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to write a book. I'm just trying to disentangle my own thinking and get really clear on the issues I'm trying to address. Okay, I have to argue with you about something here. Okay. So you said that you can't arrive at a huge breakthrough by accident. And when you were talking, I thought, you know, the kind of, quote, unintentional and intentional parts of this are really two parts of a process that are really critical. You know, one is kind of the spark at the beginning and the the kind of um, genius that just happens when you're out, you're walking or you're having a conversation yeah. or whatever, and you really need that. And then the other part is where you flesh it out so that it can be applied in some way that's meaningful. But you can't have necessarily one without the other, you know, or they, they work best when they're together. So it's not like the unintentional time is less valuable than the intentional time. It's just that you know, based on what you're saying about your process, what I hear you saying is you kind of start with the unstructured time. I think I would probably frame it maybe a little more that way, but it's unstructured. And then the kind of natural process for it to be useful to you is to put it in a structured format. So there's more clarity around it. You could communicate it to others. It's a full thought or you can act on it. I, I think you're actually right. Yeah. I love it when I get to be right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, th I think you're right. But I, I think if you don't do something like writing. Agreed. That's how you capture lightning in a bottle. I think that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. You so still need the lightning. You still need the lightning. But the bottle right. is really important. Yeah. You got to have a container for it and you've got to have a way to transmit it. And you want to have, uh, I think, a way to go deeper. It forces me to go deeper because mm -hmm. I can make it, have this vague idea. But as I drill down and as I start to write, I go, oh, I wasn't clear on that. Or maybe I need to define this or flesh this out or do some research or whatever. And, you know, I feel like this is the part I'm missing is the structure, the intentional part. Yeah. You know, that I, I do really well with the unstructured part. And I think that's happening all the time, as I kind of described earlier. But what I need to make that uh, more actionable for our team in particular right now and for our audience is to, you know, put that in a, in a document and write it out. Okay. Writing works well for you, Michael. You're an excellent writer and you enjoy doing it. A lot of people just don't. It's just not something they, they feel good at and they just don't like doing it. How can they catch lightning in a bottle? 
Well, first of all, I wasn't good at writing at the beginning either, nor did I enjoy it. And one of the things we talk about in the Freedom Compass is this idea of the development zone, which we put right in the middle of the Freedom Compass, where there are things that you're not proficient at yet, or maybe you don't love yet. And writing was kind of in my drudgery zone at the beginning. But like a lot of things, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I think if all you do is just jot down some bulleted points and just try to capture it like you were journaling, even if it's not going to be for dissemination to anybody else, but it's for your own you know, edification and your own use, I think it's really helpful to discipline yourself to do that. It's the same reason I take notes when I'm in meetings, you know, is because I want to capture what was said because I'm going to forget that stuff. And I get insights in those meetings that if I don't record, I'm going to forget. So I, I, I do think it's a skill that's important for leaders to develop. You're going to be judged at one level or another by how you write and how you speak. And it's worth taking time as a leader if you're serious about influence, because all influence comes back to communication. If you're serious about influence, you're going to be serious about communication, and you're going to learn the skills necessary to write. You know, maybe you're not going to be Hemingway, but you're going to be able to communicate clearly and directly, whether it's in written or in oral form. You know, I've noticed that some people will come back to a meeting or come back after working on a problem and say, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this and then give their solution. Mm -hmm. And actually what they're kind of doing is just kind of justifying what we knew they already thought. So true. You know, a lot of people think that they're deep thinkers, but really they're just kind of rehearsing the same old patterns of thinking. They just sort of have this loop that they're on that they can't get out of because they have a risk aversion or a set of limiting beliefs that are unclear to them, that are kind of invisible. And that clouds their ability to think widely, to think deeply, to think beyond their current circumstances to something that um, is bigger and better than where they are. And, And that's tough. So I think we all have to just be mindful of that and notice where we get stuck where we're stuck in our day-to-day activities and where it becomes difficult for us to critically think um, because we want to be reflecting, not just be reflexive, you know, not reactive. It's really back to the asking questions, but the second part of that, and then not knowing the answer ahead of time, Mm -hmm. but just being agnostic about what the solution might be. Talking about being intentional, I want to mention this study of college-educated adults in professional careers. That's who the subjects of the study were. And at mid-career, they were asked to rate their decision-making, and less than 50% of the decisions they had made recently, they rated as successful. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It was. And one of the respondents added this comment, when making this decision, I was so busy with day-to-day work that I didn't have enough time to think strategically. Yeah. Yeah. We hear this all the time from our clients. This is, you know, they often come to us because this is their reality. They're overwhelmed and they feel like they can't see beyond the day to day. And that's what they're asking us to help them do. Well, and we've faced that so many times ourselves. I mean, there's, there's few problems that we encounter that better, deeper thinking wouldn't solve. But so often, and that leads us right to the next element, element four, thinking, it's easy for us to succumb to the hustle fallacy, which to think that all progress relies on us doing more. And so if I'm going to be more productive, if I'm going to be more successful, I just got to do more stuff. And I don't really think that's the key to success. I think it's doing the right stuff. And doing the right stuff takes discernment and discernment takes thinking. I've got to figure out if all the stuff I got to do, not everything has the same value So I need to think about what's really going to add value, what's going to be the highest leverage activity, 
And again, that requires thinking. And so I think we have to make a case for thinking to ourselves and value it, esteem it ourselves if we're going to make it a priority. Well, I got a definition of critical thinking I'd like you to react to. And this comes from the Foundation for Critical Thinking. And they That's define, a thing. Yeah, uh, apparently it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they define critical thinking this way. A person is a critical thinker to the extent that he or she regularly improves thinking by studying and critiquing it. So thinking about the way you think. Yeah, I love that idea. Some people call that metacognition, thinking wow. about thinking. I was satisfied with critical thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but no, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's a really, really important skill. You know, to not just be able to think about the stuff, you know, other people, events and all that kind of stuff, or to even think about other people's thoughts, but to think about our own thinking and how we're processing our thinking is really important and to be objective. And I think, you know, the first time I was made aware of this, it was from a, uh, an executive coach that I had probably 10 years ago who just really challenged me to think about my thinking. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, again... If we believe that thoughts manifest themselves in actions and actions lead to the results in our business, then if we want to trace that back to the source, we've got to be thinking about our thinking. Because the best way to change the results in the business is to change my thinking about it. But to think that there's a cause and effect relationship and that how I'm thinking about the business has has basically created the results I'm experiencing right now. If I got problems in my business... If I'm not as profitable as I'd like to be, if I'm not growing like I'd like, if I don't have the right clients, all that can be traced back if I'm the leader of that business to my thinking about the business. So I've got to get clear on how I'm thinking about all these different things. That kind of unlocks the door to seeing what you're not seeing and knowing what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Larry, I think that's a great point because real creativity happens when, like you said, Dad, you start thinking about your thinking. For example, are you really asking the right questions? Can I really conclude that I have only two options here? What's making me think that this idea won't work? What if we thought about this as a product problem versus a marketing problem, for example? I, love that. I was thinking recently that, you know, we we keep having something that is coming up for us in our decision making that I don't like. You know, I don't like the results of it. And I and I just was thinking as you were talking, what is the question we're asking right before that decision gets made? Mm. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm seeing several questions there that if we ask different questions, we would end up at a different result. It's not just that we're not being good decision makers in that context. It's that the questions that lead up to us are or lead up to the decision are kind of leading us astray. You know, they're biasing us toward the decision that's not the best decision we could make. That's good. So this is helpful. Well, today we've learned that growth is fueled by innovation and innovation requires focused thought. And you can Keep yourself mentally fit by remembering the acronym FFIT. Make sure that your thought regimen includes frequent, focused, intentional thinking. Michael, Megan, final thoughts today? Well, this has been super helpful for me. Good. I kind of feel like you read my mail, um, some of the conversations I was having with myself while I was on parental leave. And I think this is the uh, structure that I need to add another component to my thinking to take it to the next level. So I'm excited to apply this in my own life and leadership. Good. Well, I hope the rest of you listening will try this too, because 
I really do think this will give you an edge. This will make all the difference in your business. If you can take time on a frequent basis to do this kind of frequent, focused, intentional thinking, it's going to drive business results. It's going to give you an edge against the competition. And I, I think you'll enjoy your work more. Well, thanks for sharing this concept. You've really given us something to think about. Oh, brother. <laughs> Dad jokes are Dad really jokes. wild. Well, thank you, Larry. Thank you for uh, leading us through this conversation. And thank you guys for joining us today. We'll see you right here next week. Until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt and Company's new book, Your World-Class Assistant. Find out more at lead2.win slash assistant.